0: Non, <laughs> non. No. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 52 Years A World Cup Podcast. I'm Richard Carey and this is the very final episode of the podcast. It's such a shame to come to an end, but we've had fun, we've had a great World Cup and thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen to even just one of these episodes. It really, you know, gives me the motivation to carry on and, and keep doing this and I want to thank everybody for the help, um, but coming up today, we're going to be talking about the World Cup final between France and Croatia, a little bit about the third place playoff between Belgium and England, and also we'll be giving out our tournament awards. But before we get into all that, we're going to have a super stats as we're looking at the overall tournament stats. <laughs> So matches played 64, goals scored 169, that's an average of 2.64 goals a game. Hat-tricks scored 2, one by Harry Kane and one by Ronaldo. Own goals scored 12, which is a World Cup record. Penalties 29, that's also a World Cup record. Penalties scored 22, that's a 75.86% success rate. And most goals scored by one team was 16, that was Belgium who scored that many. Fewest goals scored by one team was two: Australia, Costa Rica, Egypt, Germany, Iceland, Iran, Morocco, Panama, Peru, Poland, Saudi Arabia, and Serbia. All only got two goals. Most goals conceded by a team was eleven. Uh, that was Panama. Obviously, the six-one loss to England didn't help. The fewest goals conceded by a team was two. That was Denmark, Iran, or Peru. And the most clean sheets was four. That was France. Fewest clean sheets: none. Argentina, Australia, Costa Rica, Egypt, Germany, Iceland, Japan, Morocco, Panama, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, Switzerland and Tunisia. Whew. These people need to uh, get it tight at the back. Rafael Marquez has now appeared in five World Cups, which is an equal uh, World Cup appearance record. The oldest player at the competition was El Sam Alhadri for Egypt, who played in their last uh, game. He's 45 years old and 161 days, and he even saved a penalty. The youngest player is Daniel Arzani for Australia. He's 19 years and 163 days old. Slightly younger than Mbappe. Total yellow cards, 219. That's an average of 3.42 per match. Total red cards, 4. Teams with most yellow cards was Croatia with 15. Teams with the most red cards was 1. That was tied between Germany, Colombia, Russia and Switzerland. Fewest yellow cards won Saudi Arabia. Yes, Saudi Arabia have a great disciplinary record. So let's talk about the World Cup final. It was France versus Croatia. And here's how it went down. On the 18th minute, a Griezmann free kick got a deflection off Mandzukic's head. And it was an own goal to make it 1-0 to France. It's followed like a foul on Griezmann that he kind of went down and it probably wasn't a foul in the first place. So France got a bit lucky here. And a great left-footed shot by Perisic equalised and made it 1-1. And on the 38th minute, we have to go to VAR watch. VAR, 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 I was quite happy. VAR made a World Cup final comeback after being very quiet in the semi finals and quite quiet in the quarter finals. VAR took center stage in the World Cup final for better or worse. The ball hit Perisic's hand in the box, he moved it slightly. But that uh, sort of suggested it was an intentional handball as his hand was sticking out. There wasn't a lot of room between where the ball was kicked and where um, Perisic's hand was, so we couldn't really get it out of the way. After con- careful consideration by the referee, um, France were awarded a penalty, which Griezmann scored to make it 2 1, going as a break, quite uh, controversial. People worried, would the World Cup be decided on a, on a VAR decision like this? And what was interesting and what was pointed out really was actually the problem is not that this was given the problem is the handball rule in general because when you look at this world cup overall it's mainly been the handball decisions that that have been the controversial VAR decisions uh, apart from that one i think the france one which was a uh, when france gave away a penalty against australia it was such a deliberate handball. but the problem is is the handball the wording about the handball rule is all about this deliberate handballness, and it's not clear what is a handball, what's a deliberate handball, what isn't. Um, so maybe they should change the rule to just be if it hits your hand, it's it's a uh, penalty, which it could do, and it would be a lot easier. It's kind of like FIFA rules, I guess, but it would also probably annoy some people because it's uh, you know it, it's not really fair because they can't get their hands out of the way or anything like that. So yes, far. Uh, getting involved in the final, but what would happen in the second half? Wow. On the 59th minute, it was a great strike from Pogba, uh, who extended France's lead to 3-1. Then a low shot into the corner by Mbappe made it 4-1, and the game appeared to be over. But then four minutes later, on the 69th minute, a horrible mistake by Lloris! Taxi for Loris Who he took too long to clear the ball, and he allowed Mandzukic to score. A very easy goal, um, and it was 4-2. So Mandzukic actually scored for both teams in this match. Pretty impressive. And that's actually how it ended. It ended France 4, Croatia 2. France are the world champions 2018. Won it once again. 20 years after winning it the first time, they win it again. I didn't talk about the stats earlier, but I will bring up a few things. Uh, Croatia had 66% of the ball. They had 14 shots compared to France's 7. And this was probably their best performance at the World Cup yet, but they lost. And I think that was because, A, they got a bit unlucky with the decisions. B, France were very clinical on a counter-attack. And C, France were very organised defensively. Uh, although they were at times a bit shaky, but they actually I think Deschamps did a good job when he bought one on Zonzi for Kante, which really sort of you know strengthened that midfield and um, you know stopped the boat rocking for France when it could have been a very interesting finish had Croatia got that um, third goal. Uh, that would have been a great, that would have been the best final ever, I think. And probably, you know, it's definitely up there with the best finals ever. I mean, six goals. It, it was a sort of basketball at times, you know, end-to-end stuff. Uh, I, a mostly Croatia attack, though, and it, it kind of sucks for them. And it just seems like France almost playing for the, the counter-attack and actually the, the letting teams come onto them. And it actually has worked out uh, for them in this case. You know, the exercise exercised the demons of two years ago when, you know, in France at Euro 2016, they should have absolutely won. And they didn't, uh, basically because they screwed up against Portugal. There's no there's no other way of saying it. You know, they've got Pogba, Mbappe, Griezmann, and they all show true class today. And Varane had another fantastic game at the back. And he's had a great tournament overall. And I think, you know, you've got to say well done to the French side. Probably overall did deserve to win this World Cup. Yeah, because I think that they've sort of grown into the World Cup. I mean, their group stage was a bit slow. They didn't have a good game against Australia. They didn't really have a good game against Peru. Uh, a horrible game against Denmark. But then once they got out of that, they had that game of the tournament against Argentina, and they just seemed to get better as the tournament went on and you know you've got to give it to them for that and what's been so great though about this world cup is that it's been such an open tournament and there wasn't ever really one really strong definitive favorite uh, the bookies have put brazil favorites which i don't know why they did that because of france's slip up last time because of emerging belgium side and because of the changing shape i guess of germany um we got a very open tournament and that allowed France to take advantage of that um, they were a bit like they're a bit like what England would be like if they actually had strength and depth and, and really really quality players so at the end of the tournament uh, Harry Kane uh, went away with a golden boot with six goals although he scored them all by the second round um, and then had two maybe even three questionable games after that in the quarterfinal semis in the third place playoff Luka Modric won the Golden Ball for best player of the tournament. He's quite interesting, Modric. He had some understated uh, performances, but he was not a, a very important player. And you could potentially argue that there were some better Croatian players like Perisic or uh, Rebic had a really good tournament as well. Mbappe won the Best Young Player award, which was pretty obvious. It was always going to be him. Um, you know, I think he was also up there with the Golden Ball potentially, but not quite. I can say congratulations to France, so what a way to cap off what has been a fantastic tournament. We'll talk briefly about the third-place playoff now, which happened on Saturday afternoon between Belgium and England. I actually went to watch this game at a big screen in Jersey. Um, I say big screen, it wasn't that big, but it was big enough, I suppose. Uh, And there wasn't that many people there. I think people sort of lost interest in the England side because this was sort of an international friendly in terms of importance but I do sometimes like the third place playoff it's kind of a fun sort of game sometimes I do say it, it can have a lot of goals in this one only had two goals in but still. On the fourth m- minute Mainoua put the ball into the net following a Chadley cross to make it 1-0 Belgium it wasn't another goal to the 82nd minute when Eden Hazard followed up after a Mainoua shot and beat Jones and beat Pickford at his front post to make it 2-0 to Belgium. So England started pretty badly and they were lucky to keep it 1-0 at half-time of all the Belgium attack. They did sort of steady the ship a little bit but in the second half they were an awful lot better. Um, you know, had a, Eric Dier had a really good chance to make it 1-1. He, he sort of chipped over the keeper but was cleared off the line and Maguire also had a good chance too. Um, Kane didn't really look at the races uh, today. I, f- I thought that maybe they shouldn't have actually played him. I know that he was looking to get more goals for the Golden Boot, but he looked like he might be carrying an injury. Uh, Pickford uh, made a great save uh, following on my newest shot, um, and it would have been an amazing breakaway goal for the Belgians had it gone in. Uh, it was quite interesting how both teams set up, especially Belgium, who had pretty much a first team. England went for a few changes for Loftus-Cheek and Jones and Rose. You know, Jones and Rose aren't the best at the back, but... I think Belgium basically played a first team and, you know, they showed their class today and, I mean, it is their best finish at a World Cup ever, which is third place. And, you know, I guess they'll be proud of that, but also they'll probably think this was a missed opportunity. You know, they beat Brazil in that quarter final, We sort of thought, hang on a second, maybe this is their time, but obviously it wasn't to be against France. And fourth place is a great achievement for England. You know, they have lost three matches out of seven and people are sort of... Uh, questioning whether England got lucky um, the answer is yeah maybe they did but maybe you need a bit of luck in the World Cup but as I said in the semi-finals you know if Germany Argentina and co going out early showed us anything it's that this World Cup is actually quite hard to win so to actually get through the semi-finals no matter how many games you've lost is a great achievement you yeah, I do think England have have a groundwork to build from. They're not the finished product whatsoever. It's going to be, you know, the next couple of years is going to be a case of whether they can build on what has been established or whether it just becomes crashing down and we get back to normal with England and they just sort of, uh, you know, and the problem is going to be in Euro uh, 2020 there's going to be so much pressure on England from the media the expectation will be so much higher that It'll be a big ask for England to actually deliver that expectation. So, we'll move on to our awards. Um, And thank you for everybody who voted on Twitter at 52 Years World Cup. In these award categories, we always appreciate votes. First category is for worst team. And the nominations are... Germany, for failing to get out of the group stage and finishing bottom of their group. Panama, who didn't win a single game and got thrashed 6-1 by England. Egypt, who, despite having Mo Salah, that couldn't stop them losing all three games. And Poland, who had a disappointing uh, tournament, but did win their last game. With a 67% out of the vote, the winner is Germany. Uh, obviously, very disappointing tournament for them. You know, haven't failed to get to a semi-final since 1998. This time, couldn't even get out of the group stages. Their worst World Cup performance, I think, probably ever when you look at it because they didn't actually have group stages the last time Germany played this bad at a World Cup they were in. So, there's going to be some major um, you know, reshuffling in Germany. I know they're supposed to be keeping on Joachim Löw, but I can see that... Um, you know, they're going to try and build up just like they did after Euro 2000 and expect them to win in 2026, that's what i say. Our next category was favourite underdogs. Uh, the nominations are... Croatia, who got to the final and obviously beat Argentina 3-0. Mexico, who beat Germany in their opening game. Russia, who got through to the quarterfinals despite uh, everyone expecting them to go out in a group stage. And England, who got to the semi-finals despite the young side and years and years and years of disappointment. So the winner with 57% of the vote is England. And maybe people are a bit biased on this because they're English, maybe. But um, I will say it's deserved. You know, England, uh, they didn't really do any giant killing, but they definitely uh, showed their strength and really overachieved in this tournament. The next category is for best match, and our nominations are... Portugal versus Spain, the 3-3 draw with Ronaldo hat trick and that free kick in the last couple, of, last couple of minutes, and two goals from Costa and Nacho stunner. France versus Argentina, the 4-3 thriller that saw Argentina two-one up just before the break. But the French made a comeback after that, and then Aguero got the last-minute goal, but it was too little, too late. Belgium versus Japan, where Japan went 2 0 up and Belgium got three back, including a winner in the 93rd minute. And Serbia versus Switzerland, which was great drama that saw the Swiss come back from behind to get the win. The winner with just 50% of the vote is France versus Argentina. I uh, can't help but agree with that. Uh, what a game that was! It was it was mental, especially the second half when goals just kept flying in, flying in, flying in. And you, He missed like two minutes and says, oh, it's 4-2 now, what the hell happened? Even Andy Murray was talking about how good it was um, when he was doing a press conference for Wimbledon, which is quite funny. The next category is worst match and the nominations are France versus Denmark. It was the only 0-0 draw of the tournament and both teams disappointed and they seem to be playing for uh, qualification to the knockout rounds. Spain versus Russia, which had a dismal second half and most of extra time, where Spain just basically passed it all around and didn't actually try and score until about uh, 10 minutes to go in extra time. England versus Belgium, this is the group game. Both put out their B teams, basically the reserve teams, to face each other and it didn't really deliver what we would expect from this match. And Iran versus Portugal, which almost got farcical because of VAR and uh everything else that happened. The winner of a whopping 80% of the vote is France versus Denmark. Yeah. The only nil-nil of the tournament and in all honesty, I think it's quite interesting that France have got the most entertaining, the best match and the worst match of the World Cup with uh, two quite contrasting games. People were absolutely uh, fume, fuming after this match. They thought it was a disgrace to football. Uh, that's how bad it was. The next category is for favourite off-field personality. This is uh, any sort of... It could be an ex-footballer or, or celebrity who has made an impact during the tournament. Our nominations are... Eric Cantona, who did maths to prove England will win the World Cup, although they didn't. And also had a yellow suitcase called Neymar, which you spinned around to try and simulate Neymar's rolling around on the pitch. Diego Maradona, who uh, went from hating to celebrating Argentina getting through the group stages and even throwing a middle finger at the camera. Uh, Ross Kemp, who was shouting without his shirt on after the England victories against Colombia and Sweden. And Vladimir Putin, who who allegedly was the VAR, according to some images online, and always lurking in the background of this tournament. Uh, we had a bit of a tie for this uh, vote. Uh, we had 40% of the vote went to Eric Cantona and 40% went to Ross Kemp. So that means I make the tie-break decision and I declare the winner to be Ross Kemp. Uh, it was so weird that Ross Kemp was shirtless shouting about the England games, but it was quite entertaining as well. Our next category is for best manager. We only had three options in this one. Gareth Southgate, his uh, 5-3-2 formation got England into its first semi-final in 28 years and instilled a belief in the players that they could go out and win games. Roberto Martinez, um, his really great tactics against uh, Japan after they were 2-0 down, managed to help Belgium come back and win the match. And Zlatko Dalic, the Croatian manager, who picked the right penalty takers to get Croatia into the final, And a winner was surprisingly Zlatko Dalic. Um, Perhaps I should have actually included Didier Duchamp in this uh, vote because obviously he's the winning manager. But I think Dalic, you know, kind of understated but definitely did enough and set his team out right and definitely got his penalty takers right. You know, the Rakitic factor of the fifth penalty taker got them through on both occasions. Our next category is for best TV coverage. This was, was between the two UK TV providers, uh, BBC and ITV. The vote was actually 50-50. People couldn't decide whether the BBC coverage or the ITV coverage of the World Cup was better. So I've gone for ITV quite controversially. I think that the thing about ITV's coverage, you had Ali McCoist. And uh, John Champion, who did a fantastic job on commentary, talked a lot about the you know the geography and the and and the lo- location of of Russia, which he really added to it as well. I liked this in studio bits, particularly with Slavan Bilic and Roy Keane just having a go at people. I just think with the BBC, it got way too annoying with the whole constantly going on and complaining about VAR, Mark Fucking Lawrence,son and. It just didn't feel like you know. It's not like the old days where you had Motti and you had something that was really good about the BBC coverage. There wasn't that this time, and that was a bit of a shame. So my next category is for best beard. This is the this is the category for outstanding achievement in the field of facial hair. The nominations we had for here was Jedenek for Australia, Rami for France, Gunnarsson for Iceland, and Messi for Argentina. His little ginger beard. The winner was Zjedenec, um who had a really nice bushy beard for Australia. So well done, Zedenek. You are a facial hair king. Next, we're on to best goal. I was trying to find out which sort of uh, ones to pick here. i have gone for four of my favourites, which were Modric uh, for Argentina. Swat! That was liquid football! Charisma, uh, Ricardo Charisma, potentially my. Uh, Portuguese uh, namesake against Iran. Bing bang, stick it in, thank you and good night. Pavard against Argentina. Shit! Did you see that? He must have a foot like a traction engine. And Chereshev versus Croatia. Booth, eat my goal. The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. I went for Pavard. Uh, that was a fantastic goal against Argentina. It was an absolute stunner of a strike to put them back on level terms. So now we're on to best moment. Uh, the nominations for this are Panama celebrating after they scored despite being 6-1 down. Japan going 2-0 up against Belgium. Germany getting knocked out by South Korea or England finally winning on penalties. I had to go for this one. England finally winning on penalties is my best moment. How many years of England just lost on penalties and it's so frustrating, but actually that feeling that finally we'd done it and perhaps it was even added to the drama that Henderson missed that penalty and it looked like it was the same old story once again. But for England to actually win a penalty shootout at a World Cup for the first time ever, that was huge, and that was my best moment. Five, five, five. We had to save a uh, award for our favourite thing in the world, VAR, the video assistant referee. So let's have, for the very first time ever, let's have an award for the best VAR moment. The nominations are, VAR not giving Spain a penalty versus Russia. Mark Lawrenson moaning about VAR even after he realised that VAR was correct. A Moroccan player called VAR bullshit against Spain and VAR missed Tunisia pushing versus England but then gave England loads of penalties later. I gave the winner to the Moroccan player who called VAR bullshit against Spain because I just found it really funny so basically Spain scored like a last-minute goal which was awarded by VAR um, after I think it was going to be ruled out by the referee so he was really, really annoyed about that and the reaction was quite priceless. So that was our awards, but we do have one more thing to do, which is our best 11, our best team of the tournament as a whole. I found the process of this quite difficult because there's been a lot of good players. I mean, even when you look at something like in goal, we've had a ton of good keepers, Courtois, Pickford, even guys like Ochoa for Mexico and, uh, and I've forgotten the guy from South Korea. But... There's so many good goalkeepers in this tournament, and it's actually hard to pick just one. But I have, and i picked a team. So in goal, I've gone for Pickford for England. You know, I had a fantastic tournament. Some of that sweeper-keeper moments. Uh, fantastic saves, even in the third-place playoff, and also against Colombia that uh, won the save he got there. Vertonghen for Belgium, you know, got that really crucial goal. Uh, They got them back into the game against Japan. There's been a bit of a rock at the back. Jimenez for Uruguay. Uruguay had probably, almost, the best defense in the tournament. And Jimenez was an absolute uh, shining light of that. He also has the 21st century uh, defensive strategy of putting his hand behind his back. Varane for France, like I said, had a very good World Cup final and a very good World Cup tournament. Just a uh, rock at the back. Giron Trippier for England who was my England player of the tournament, he uh, scored a free kick obviously in the semi-finals but he worked his ass off every game uh, down that right-hand side caused the teams a lot of problems. Uh, Luka Modric for Croatia obviously the golden ball winner, um, sort of understated but very important in his role in the team. Pogba for France who really seemed to come to life in this tournament and did a great job. Chereshev for Russia. um, Carried his team, I would say, at times. He scored a lot of goals and carried his team uh, to a quarter-final. Hazard for Belgium. Had a really good tournament, uh, just setting people up and scoring a lot of goals himself. Harry Kane for England. I couldn't really miss out the uh, golden boot winner, although he did have a couple of uh, off games towards the end of the tournament and the young star Mbappe for France gets in my team. I don't really have to say how good he is. I think he is the potential successors to Ronaldo Messi, potentially potential successor to them. That's very possible. A few people got in touch with me on Twitter with their own uh, best 11s. At Scott C underscore AM males, Scott Cavaliero said his was Loris Pavard, Jimenez, Maguire, Trippier, Pogba, Cante, chef Hazard, Mbappe, and Kane. So quite similar to mine, but a few changes in midfield. And at Stu Bram, 2 or as he calls himself, the Kieran Trippier Appreciation Society. Here was his best eleven: uh, Pickford, trippier, 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 Trippier. So I think he likes Kieran Trippier. We we all love Kieran Trippier. at 52 years World Cup podcast. He's such a great player. And uh, Spurs might have to do a lot to hold on to him. I think I said at one point that Real Madrid might look at him to replace Ronaldo, and I wasn't completely joking. In conclusion, what a World Cup it's been. From the very first moment to the very last moment, it's been drama. It's been excitement. It's been goals. It's been goals. It's been goals. I mean... You never see this many goals in international football. We're supposed to have boring 0-0 draws. And we got one boring 0-0 draw and 63 goal-filled matches. And some of them had seven goals. Some of them had one goal. But the, the quality in this tournament was great. Everything you could want in the World Cup. You had the underdogs beating the, the big uh, sides like Mexico beating Germany. Argentina struggling against Iceland even likes of Brazil being beaten by Belgium, although that wasn't necessarily a upset, it was a big moment for them. The VAR aspect, the addition of VAR, which at, at first I, before some, I thought it was going to be a disaster, but they implemented it really well, in fairness. You know, some decisions were controversial, some decisions perhaps even were wrong, but it added drama to the games, it made boring games interesting, it actually helped to give decisions that would have been missed and yes it's got somewhere to go but that's cool uh, you know they've actually managed to get it into a position where it's workable in a football match so that's got to be praised because it wasn't workable at the confederations cup but now it's less of a fast, but it's still a goal aspect but it adds drama to the game i mean remember that fucking germany south korea game when they had that VAR decision in the, in the you know in stoppage time that could have put South Korea up one nil, that was massively dramatic. Like, I, I, I was one of the most dramatic moments ever in football. <laughs> so it was good. I like it. I mean, in terms of disappointments, there's not that many to say. I mean, the main one I would say is the Europe dominance and not the other continents still struggling. And one Asian team in the knockout stages, no African teams. Uh, You had one North American team, and those all went out by the last 16 anyway. You had all the South American teams that went out by the semi-finals. So there's no, like, it's all this European dominance, and it would be nice if we saw one of the other continents have a bit of a run a really high standard was maintained throughout the entire thing and the main regret i have about the world cup is i had to work through it which means i missed so many matches and i would just suggest to anybody at least for those first sort of two weeks when it's the group stages especially when it's the last group stages match take time off work just go on holiday and watch the football even if you're just sitting at home watching the football because you don't get these often so you've got to take advantage of them when you do so thank you for listening to the final episode of Fifty Two Years of Hurt. You can still follow me on Twitter at Fifty Two Years World Cup. Uh, find us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash Fifty Two Years World Cup, or subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Fifty Two Years World Cup. We might be back in two years' time for uh, Euro 2020, or maybe even the Women's World Cup next year. Ooh. We'll have to see uh, what happens in my life and what happens in general, but. Uh, Again, like I say, thank you very much for listening and I'd be very appreciated that we've got uh, good feedback about the podcast as a whole. So I can only uh, appreciate your your ears being attentive. Uh, And thank you and goodbye. chose me manque, mais quoi Je veux si, je veux ça, quand je dors je fais des rêves en dollars, tous les jours j'ai un nouveau costard, chez moi tout est neuf, tout est beau, le monde pleure derrière mes rideaux, je m'en fous, j'habite au dernier étage, je connais même pas ma femme de ménage, y'a du cuir dans ma voiture, l'odeur de mon parfum me rassure, je n'aime pas montrer mes émotions à la salle de musculation, je soulève quelques poids et altère, mon corps est une machine de guerre, j'ai tout ce qu'on rêverait d'avoir. rêverait Vous in moustache De choses derrière mes placards. J'ai des amis quand même, et même j'ai des amis qui m'aiment. Je me dis, j'ai tout pour plaire, j'ai tout pour. J'ai le monde à mes pieds, c'est fou. J'ai tout ce qu'on rêverait d'avoir, j'ai peut tout, c'est vrai. Mais et moi, je voulais Une moustache. moustache.